Remember, we looked at that last week. He had it all figured out, what he needed to do to, to run away from God's presence and God's call in his life. And, and uh, he paid the fare and he got in the ship. And uh, But it doesn't seem like everything's panning out the way Jonah expected it to. We're going to take another uh, step today in uh, looking at the book of Jonah. So I uh, hope you brought your Bibles. You bring your Bibles. Pull them out. Find the book of Jonah. We brought the lights up in the house just for that reason. So uh, pull your Bibles out and uh, find the book of Jonah. Remember, it's uh, one of those short, small books, uh, the back of the Old Testament. And we're going to pick up where we left off from last week. We only got a couple, three verses done last week and uh, got into the fourth verse just a little bit. So we're going to pick up right there uh, at the fourth verse. And uh, the question today is, uh, in looking at the book of Jonah... um, you know, not only what can we learn from Jonah, how does it apply to our life, how, but what if we, like Jonah, say no? That's where we were last week, right? I mean, Jonah got the call in his life. God said, Jonah, I want you to go here. And Jonah said, no, I don't want to go there. I want to go there. And so he went in the opposite direction, got on the boat, and was headed to Tarshish. So what happens when we take our lives and we place them outside of the will and the purpose of God uh, for us. What happens when we just say no to God and decide we're going our own our own way? Today we'll just pick out from Jonah's experiences some simple observations of, of what it means. You ready to go? Right away in verse 4 we can see that when we say no to God, God can't say yes to us. That's pretty, pretty straightforward, isn't it? When we say no to God... God can't work in our life in that positive way that he had envisioned and planned for our lives. I mean, did did you notice Jonah there? I mean, Jonah's there and he's saying no to God, and so he's got the umbrella over his head, and it's a kind of a graphic symbol that reminds us what happens. When we say no to God, we just put a barrier between us and the ability of God to work in our life. When we say, God, look, we're going to do it our own way. We, we don't want to do what you want us to do. I, I know you've got a call and a purpose and a plan for me, but no, I'm not going that way. I'm going to go my own way. When we do that, we place a barrier in God's ability to accomplish the plan, the purpose, and all the positive of what he wanted to accomplish in our life. We put a barrier in God's ability to say yes into our life. It's so straightforward and simple, isn't it? We put that that hold on God that says, wait a minute, our life, the way you planned it, God, is going on hold, and it's going to go in this direction. I know it's not the direction you want, and because it's not the direction you want, you can't bring into my life all those wonderful things that you have planned for me. When we say no to God, we limit God's ability to say yes into our life and accomplish all the things that he has for us. And it takes God working in our life to be able to bring us back to the right place. We're going to see this morning in Jonah's experience is we're going to see the incredible nature of God when our nature is broken and fallen and headed in the wrong direction. When we say no to God, we limit his ability to say yes and work in our life. And God can't bring to us all the favor that he wanted to bring into our life. And so now God has to react to our no. 
and all he can do is try to work to bring us back. Now, it shouldn't take a lot of wisdom to understand a simple truth. And it's kind of Reformation Sunday for you, you Lutheran background folks. It's Reformation Sunday, so i got to throw a little Luther in there, right? Um, and, and Luther made that pretty clear in his teaching to us. Luther made it very clear that, that you got to understand if, if you're living one way or you're living the other. You're, you're either living God's way and you're following God's purpose for your life. And if you're not doing that and you're going in your own direction, what you're really doing is following the powers of darkness. And it's one or the other. There's no in-between. There's no kind of dabbling, you know, a little here, a little there. You're either following God, Luther says, or you're captured and following the purposes of the evil one. No in-between. And it shouldn't surprise us that when you follow the purposes of the evil one, storms, chaos, and trouble are going to come into your life. Why? Because you just limited God's ability to do good things in your life. You're not following him anymore. You're following something else and someone else. And that someone else does not have good things planned for your life. Chaos in trouble brings pleasure to the evil one in our lives. And so when we step out of the will of God and we step into our own desires, what can we expect but problems to come our way? Look at the book of Jonah. What happens right away in Jonah's life when he steps outside the will of God. It says, But the Lord made a strong wind blow, and such a bad storm came up that the ship was about to be broken into pieces. What kind of storm came up? Bad is the key word. You see that there? When we step outside the will of God, we can expect problems. Now, we know problems can come anyway, right? Because we participate in a broken world. And so even though we're in the will of God, we know there's going to be challenges because we live in a broken world. But when we step outside the will of God, expect problems. Because now you're in the kingdom of problems. You're in the kingdom of chaos. And what can you expect but for your life to experience problems? The amazing thing is that God is ready to work in your life even in the problems. If you go to Psalm 119 and I'll just throw it on the screen so you don't have to move, move in your Bible real fast. Psalm 119, a couple passages there. Uh, verse 67 says, Once you corrected me, referring to God, once you corrected me for not obeying you, but now I obey. You are kind-hearted and you good, do good things, so teach me your laws. And if you jump down to verse 71, he says, When you corrected me, it did me good, because it taught me to study your laws. What we can hope for is that God will not let go of us and instead he will use these problems, these troubles and these storms that come into our life because we're outside his will to bring us to a place where we get life back. And that's what he does. If you uh, think of a New Testament story where that takes place, it's a story of the prodigal son. You know the story of the prodigal son? You know, the young guy that decides, uh, you know, he's going to go talk to dad and, and, and get his inheritance. And, you know, even though dad's got a great future planned for him in the family business, he says, no, I don't want to do that. I'm going to go my own way. Right. He says, I'm not going to live the way dad wants me to live. I'm going to go my own way. And so he takes all his money and he goes to a foreign land and he has high living and he squanders his fortune. And his life begins to spiral downward. And all he ends up with is trouble. His life spirals down so far 
that he's eaten with the pigs, and he finally comes to his senses and says, Man, even my father's servants eat better than I'm eating right now. I'm going back to my father. What brought him to the place where he said, I'm going back to my father? He got so far and so low in his trouble that he had nowhere else to go. See, we have to understand, when we step outside God's will, we're going to have trouble. And God is going to let us be in that trouble. Because that's the only hope for us to wake up and understand God has something greater for us. It is the way that God teaches us and disciplines us and corrects us by allowing us to experience those troubles. If you go to, go to Hebrews 12, it says in Hebrews 12, Our human fathers corrected us for a short time, and they do it as they think best. But God corrects us for our own good because He wants us to be holy as He is. It is never fun to be corrected. In fact, at the time, it's always painful. But if we learn to obey by being corrected, we will do right and live at peace. One of the things that, that happens in, in my circles as I deal with people in, in, in troubles is it, it always amazes me because inevitably, you know, there comes that time as I'm talking with folks uh, that, that they'll ask the question. You know, they're in the middle of trouble. They've stepped outside the will of God and the desire God has for their life and been living contrary to the Bible and contrary to his word. And, and inevitably, the question comes up and they look at me and they say, why is God doing this? Have you heard this question before? Yeah. Okay, first of all, God isn't. You are. You step outside of God's will and desire. When you step outside of God's will and desire, you're living in the kingdom of darkness. And what do you expect but troubles? That's what's in the kingdom of darkness. That's what comes when you live there. God is not bringing these problems into your life. No, the second thing is what God is doing is letting you live in your troubles until you wake up. And he uses the problems and the troubles to bring us to the real question that says, what am I doing? What am I doing? Good God, what am I doing? That's a good phrase, isn't it? Because God is good, and his goodness is even to allow us to sit in the troubles for a while and until we get to that place that says, even my father, his servants have a better than I do. We're going to have problems when we step outside of the desire in the will of God. But the hope is that God will still be active and working even in those problems. Now here's the hard part. The extension of the problems is when we step outside of God's will, not only does that problem come into our lives, but we referred to it a little bit last week, it will also come into other people's lives. When we are outside of God's will, when we say no to God, then others are going to suffer. Look at verse 5, if you would, in uh, Jonah 1. Verse 5 in Jonah 1 says, The sailors were frightened, and they all started praying to their gods. They even threw the ship's cargo overboard to make the ship lighter. Now think through this. Jonah is the one who's outside God's will, correct? But we can see in this experience now some sailors 
who Jonah doesn't know, who Jonah never met before time, who, who never conspired with Jonah at all, now these sailors are going to experience problems. Correct? Now look deeper. Who else is experiencing loss and suffering? The guy that owns the cargo, who isn't even on the ship. The sailors are risking their livelihood and lives out there on the sea in the middle of the chaos. And the guy that owns the cargo that's safe back on land, he's also suffering because his valuables now are going to the deep. You see how that ripple works? When we step outside of God's will in our lives, we can't avoid the reality that that also brings suffering into the lives of other people. And there is a ripple effect in that suffering that it extends beyond just us. I mean, again, the prodigal son. You remember what happens, right? He runs away, and where is dad left? Dad is left back home, and in the text it's really clear. Dad wakes up every day and yearns in sorrow to see his son walking down the road. He is left in the pain and the anguish of knowing that his son is distant from him. And before the whole experience is over in the prodigal son story, before the whole experience is over, the dad and the older son are now arguing and fighting with each other. Isn't that the way it works? When suffering comes, I mean, when that chaos comes, when those storms get into our lives because we stepped outside of God's will, somebody in the, in the family gets upset and something happens to this person in the family and, and all of a sudden that person's fighting with this person and before it's all over, the whole family is in chaos. Isn't this true? You see, it doesn't just, it's not just about us. When we step outside of God's will, we have to understand that that chaos is going to extend into the lives of other people. And other people suffer for the consequence of our own selfish decisions to do it our way. Now, here's the worst part. Is it getting heavy yet? Here's the worst part. The worst part is when we do this, We get distant from God and we get hard-hearted so that we don't even notice. When we do this, we get distant from God. God seems so distant and away from us and we become so hard-hearted that we don't even notice the pain and the chaos that we're causing in other people's lives. In Jonah, it looked like this. All the time, Jonah was down below deck, sound asleep. What was Jonah doing? Hard-hearted, ambivalent to what was going on in other people's lives. I mean, the crew was in chaos. The storm was raging. The boat was shifting this way and that way. Everything is falling apart in all of their lives. And Jonah is absolutely ambivalent to what's going on. He is just so comfortable in his distance and his hard-heartedness from God. Isn't that the way it is? When we get away from God and things start happening, we we even go to the point that we say, well, it's not our fault. Well, you know, if the captain, if the captain would have steered the boat in a different direction and gone around the storm, then we wouldn't be in this situation. Or if the crew, if the crew just knew what it was to be a really good sailor, they could handle this situation, but it's not my fault. It's so tempting for us to get hard-hearted, 
and miss the impact of what it's doing to other people's lives and get so hard-hearted that now we begin pointing the finger and say, well, it's not our fault. It's their fault. It's because of them. And the whole time, it's because we have moved away from God's desire and will for our lives. And God seems so distant. Okay. Are you heavy on all of that yet? That's pretty heavy stuff, isn't it? All right. Here's the good news. The good news in the Jonah experience starts when we look at the text and we start realizing that while Jonah has given up on God, God has not given up on Jonah. And that God is willing and able to work even when we don't want him to. Isn't that amazing? God is willing, able, and desires to work in our lives even when I put him at a distance. If you go into the text again, uh, in uh, verse 6, it says, The ship's captain went to him and said, How can you sleep at a time like this? Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will have pity on us and keep us from drowning. Everything's in chaos. Captain goes and finds Jonah and says, Jonah, what is your problem? Wake up. Everybody else is praying to their gods. Get busy and start praying to your God. Now notice in the text, there is absolutely no indication that Jonah offered any prayer. Jonah is so captured in his hard-heartedness. There's no indication that Jonah did what the captain requested him to do. And yet, look what happens next. It says, finally, the sailors got together and said, let's ask our gods to show us who's caused all this trouble. And it turned out to be Jonah. And they started asking him, are are you the one who brought this trouble on us? What business are you in? Where do you come from? What's your country? Who are your people? In, In other translations, it says that they cast lots to find out whose fault this was. You remember casting lots is kind of like that game you probably played in junior high, some of you. You know, where you had this, you sat in a circle, and in the middle of the circle was this bottle. You remember the old Coke bottles? And there's this bottle, and you you gave it a good spin. Am I the only one that remembers this game? Yeah, and you know what you really remember during that game? I mean, what really, you remember that you were sitting there going, Oh, please, Lord, please, Lord, let it be the right person. Let it be the right person. Let it be the right person, right? Sure, you were asking for what? You were asking for divine intervention. So things would go your way. Am I right? That's what they're doing. They're just casting lots. They're throwing the dice and they're saying, look, we are just going to give God an opportunity, a God, we don't care which one, a God, an opportunity to show us why we're in this fix. And the amazing thing in the text is God does. This is amazing. God does. God could have stayed distant from Jonah. God could have said, Jonah, look, you made your bed, pal. Why in it? I'm out of here. God could have stayed far away from the whole situation. And instead, he gets involved and he intervenes, even though nobody on the ship has called upon his name. The sailors were praying to this God, that God, and any other God, right? Jonah wouldn't even pray to his God. And yet God, out of his grace, mercy, and love, and desire for what he had in store for Jonah, gets involved 
anyway. This is the grace and the goodness of God. When you are far away from God, you may run away from Him, but He will not run away from you. And He intervenes in the experience of Jonah. And look at the revelation Jonah has to face up to. In verse 9, Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Jonah has to come face to face with the reality of being reminded who he belongs to and what his life is supposed to be about. Boy, you think right there at that point, good deal, Jonah's coming to his senses. He's going to go to the captain and he's going to say, Captain, look, turn the boat around. It's all my fault. Let's get this thing going in the right direction. I want to get back in God's will. So head the boat to Nineveh. No, he didn't do that. Why doesn't he do that? You have to understand the risk of defiance. That when you walk away from God, it can become a habit. When you, when you defy God's desire in your life, it can become a habit. Look at verse 10. It says, When the sailors heard this, they were frightened because Jonah had already told them he was running from the Lord. Then they said, Do you know what you have done? And they go to verse 11. And the storm kept getting worse. Jonah doesn't turn the boat around. Instead, he stays stuck in his defiance. And what happens to the storm? It gets worse. This is, what's, this is what happens. When we stay in our defiance outside of what God wants for us, then things are just going to get worse. And they just kept getting worse until finally the sailors asked him, what should we do with you and make the sea calm down? Jonah told him, throw me into the sea and it will calm down. I'm the cause of this terrible storm. This is an astounding moment for Jonah. Jonah has faced who he is, and yet he is so stuck in his defiance that he invites them to throw him overboard. He would rather die than turn back to the Lord. Isn't that incredible? Do you see how strong defiance and how strong a habit it can be once you start walking away from God? And it's, it gets worse. Not only can this capture you and you get stuck in the kingdom of darkness, but young people, listen up to this one. You've got to understand this one, especially if you're a young person. Not, not only is defiance habit-forming for you, but it's catching. Other people can catch this. Look, look what happens to the sailors. It says, um, the sailors tried their best to row to the shore, but they could not do it, and the storm kept getting worse every single minute. What happens to the sailors? Instead of the sailors going to the captain and saying, Captain, this is terrible. He's the problem. Let's turn the ship to Nineveh. They dig in their heels as well and say, No, we are going to roll our way through this. We are going to get through this come hell or high water, literally. Young people, when you get into defiance, you have to know this. There will always, always be somebody who is ready to come beside you and row your life in the wrong way with you. It's catching. There will always be somebody who will want to come alongside of you and say, yeah, man, let's just keep rowing. Let's, this is good. Let's just keep rowing. Because defiance outside of God's will 
is not only habit-forming, but it's catching. What's the good news? What's the hope? The hope for us is that God is still working in Jonah's life. That God is going to accomplish his purpose, even though Jonah is outside of his will for the moment. That God is always working towards his purpose, even when we're not. Even when we're not. God is still working. Look, look at the text again. So they prayed to the Lord. Oh, this is the sailors. Now, notice, no, stop there. Notice the word there. So they prayed to who? The Lord. Do you notice anything about that word on the page? Big. You see that? Big. What did the sailors discover? The sailors discovered who the real God is. Remember before that, they were praying to anybody and everybody that would listen to them, right? The God of this, the God of that, it didn't matter. Just somebody help us, right? By the time the text is over, the experience is over, the sailors realize the truth of what Jonah had told them of who the Lord really is, who the one that's really in charge really is. And the sailors come to the place where they now call out to God. Please don't let us drown for taking this man's life. Don't hold us guilty for killing an innocent man. All this happened because you wanted it to. And then they threw Jonah overboard and the sea calmed down. Not only do they realize who the real God is, they now participate in following the desire of God. And they throw him overboard. They now become an agent of trying to help God get Jonah back in a right relationship. They become part of God's purpose for trying to get Jonah back into his purpose. Isn't this amazing? Do you remember what the purpose of Jonah was right in the beginning of the book? God came to Jonah, put a call in his life and said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. Why? So you can reclaim those people who are far away from me. In the experience on the boat, God accomplishes his purpose in spite of Jonah. And he brings some sailors who are far away from him into a relationship with him. And we see it, we know it by the last verse. It says, the sailors were so terrified, they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they made all kinds of promises. With whatever they had, remember they threw everything else overboard, whatever was left over, they took and they offered to the Lord. Isn't it amazing? Church, how amazing is your God? How amazing is your God? that even when you act in defiance, He is acting to get you back into the right purpose for your life. How amazing is our God? That even when we walk far away from Him, He is still working to accomplish His purpose and will not let us go. Some of you right now are in defiance. Some of you are walking in the wrong direction. I want you to know God will not let you go and he earnestly seeks that you will just jump overboard jump out of that old life jump out of what you're doing jump out of the direction you're going that's contrary to his word just surrender it all and jump overboard and get your life back into the place where God can bring his favor and his blessing into your life when we walk away when we say no, God can't say yes. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today. We ask that you would help us.
Help each one of us today to get our lives in that place you want us to be so that you can really work in our lives and bring favor. And We pray that you would, uh, even when we are defiant, not let us go. Don't let us go. Just keep seeking to find those places where we can be humbled and we can turn to you and ask the right question, what am I doing? What am I doing? And instead can understand how good and gracious, kind, forgiving, and loving you are. Father, we pray this morning, receive this as our prayer, that we would follow, that we would seek you, that we would be faithful. In Jesus' name, amen.